is a book that describes to us the life of Jesus, and it shows us Jesus as the master teacher. When we read Luke's account, we find lessons from our Lord, and we come to understand how deeply we need to learn that which he shares with us. This morning we spent our time in the 22nd chapter of the book of Luke, and we came to realize that when Jesus came to this earth, it was with the determination to go to the cross on our behalf. He recognized why he was coming, and he did not shirk the responsibility that was given to him. His death was not a surprise. It was according to the divine purpose and the divine plan of God. And yet, as we studied Luke chapter 22, we saw that there are a variety of ways in which Jesus displays his resolve. Of course, in the institution of the Lord's Supper, we see the resolve that he had to die. He was indeed determined to go to the cross. He did that for all of us at the precise moment in history for the right reason, so that we might be saved to fulfill the will of the Father. We also noted that Jesus was resolved to serve, that it was his intent to teach about true greatness, to help us to better understand that true greatness does not come as a result of a position of authority that one might occupy, but that it is found in serving others, not what the world thinks to be important, but what God recognizes is so desperately needed. That true greatness is found in faithfulness. It is found in loyalty. It is found in an individual who with unyielding will holds fast to God and to His plan. And it's found ultimately in the reward that we will receive in heaven. We're going to continue looking at the resolve of Jesus in Luke 22 tonight. And I want you to open your Bibles to the passage that was read for us as we began Luke 22, beginning in verse 31, and notice the third component of the resolve of Jesus in this passage. In verse 31, the text says, And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. But he said to him, Lord, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Then he said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster shall not crow this day before you will deny three times that you know me. This perhaps is one of the most chilling sections of Scripture that I'm aware of. Can you imagine... Satan asking specifically for you. Jesus was aware of that request. Simon, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. Perhaps a picture of what takes place in Job, the first chapter, in the conversation between Satan and God. 
But Jesus says, I have prayed for you. It is important for us to recognize that Jesus is aware, not just of the physical difficulties that you face in this life, and he does know those, but that he is also aware of your spiritual struggle. He was aware that Satan had asked for Peter. He knows the struggles that you face, the trials that are in your life. Scripture tells us that the devil seeks whom he may devour. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 and 9. It tells us that we are to resist the devil and flee from him. James chapter 4 and verse 7. And it reminds us that God has equipped us. That He has given us the ability to put on the whole armor of God that we may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. You have the ability to take what God provides and face the battle with Satan. But isn't it important for us also to realize that our Lord is resolved to help? Jesus did not just know about this confrontation, but he prayed for Peter. Scripture tells us that he also makes intercession for us. That he involves himself in the difficulties that we face for our own benefit. For example, look in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 7. And verse 25. Hebrews chapter 7. And verse 25. The text says, Therefore he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. No matter what you've done, no matter how far your life may seem from God, Jesus is able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through Him. Why is that? Because He lives to make intercession for us. Because He is the one who is willing to go between us and God. There is one mediator between God and man. The man, Christ Jesus. 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 5. Jesus was resolved to help. He wanted Peter to know that he was on Peter's side. It is not as if God is watching us closely in order to catch us in some violation of His law. It is rather that God is rooting for us. That He wants us to be faithful. Jesus did not want Peter to fall victim to the devil. He prayed that that would not take place. But we have to be aware that the devil does want us to be his victims. And we must rely upon our Lord who is willing to make intercession for us. He's aware of your spiritual struggle. He is involved in your spiritual struggle. And He knows your weaknesses. Yet He still loves you. It is very clear from this passage that He was aware that Peter would fall victim to the devil's 
tactics. I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail, and when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. It was not a question of if Peter would fall. Jesus knew that he would. But he also knew that he would be able to return. When you return, strengthen your brethren. Peter responded, Lord, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. And he said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster shall not crow this day before you deny three times that you know me. Yes, you will deny me. But knowledge of Peter's weaknesses did not make Jesus love him less. Aren't you thankful for that? That knowledge of our own struggles and our own weaknesses does not make him love us less. For he is resolved to help. Jesus loves us and wants what is best for us. He was resolved to die, he was resolved to serve. He was resolved to help. Another component that we see in this passage is in the next paragraph, verses 35 through 38. Jesus was resolved to prepare. To prepare his followers for what came next. And the same, of course, is true of us. As they were about ready to depart from the upper room where they had had the Passover meal, he said to them, When I sent you, verse 35, without money bag, knapsack, and sandals, did you lack anything? So they said, nothing. Then he said to them, but now he who has a money bag, let him take it. And likewise, a knapsack. And he who has no sword, let him sell his garment and buy one. For I say to you that this which is written must still be accomplished in me. And he was numbered with the transgressors. For things concerning me have an end. So they said, Lord, look, here are two swords. And he said to them, it is enough. Now Jesus, of course, on this occasion is referencing the time when he sent the apostles out without money bags, without provisions for the efforts that they would engage in. And when they went out upon that occasion, which is recorded in Matthew the 10th chapter, verses 5 through 15, they were prepared to face whatever came their way without having to make those extra physical preparations. But on this occasion, Jesus knows that the scene and the setting is going to be quite different. And so he wants them to make sure that they are prepared for the persecution, for the difficulty for the struggles that will come their way. His provisions are sufficient. When he told them you won't need anything for this portion of your ministry, they could trust him. They could count on what he said to be true. And when he told them on this occasion, this is what you will need, again, they could trust him. He is the bread of life that we so desperately need. He is the living water that we appreciate, that we enjoy. On this occasion, his intent was to prepare his followers for his death. There were physical things that they needed. 
He wanted them to be ready for the trials, for the struggles, and for the difficulties. But if you read all four gospel accounts, you find that Jesus wasn't just interested in the physical necessities of his followers. He was also interested in preparing them spiritually. That's what the perhaps more familiar passage in John 14 is getting at. Let not your heart be troubled. Why would they be troubled? Because they had heard what Jesus told them was going to happen. They knew that he said he was going to be crucified. They knew that he said he was going to be taken away by lawless hands. That was a difficult moment. But he told them, you believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also, and where I go, you know, and the way you know. Jesus made a promise to take care of them spiritually. And in our passage, there was the resolve to take care of them physically as well. Our Lord was determined. He was determined to do the will of God. He was determined to finish the work that God gave to him that involved dying upon the cross. It involved serving humanity. It involved, as we have seen, helping even in the struggles that Peter personally faced. It involved preparing his followers for what comes next. And it involved him. Resolving to obey the Lord. I gave my class this morning a hint about what I think is one of really the neatest things in this entire chapter. And it is the structure of verses 39 through 46 in Luke chapter 22. Sometimes in Bible study, we run across something that helps us to get to what the author's main point is. And occasionally, the authors will structure their argument in what we refer to today as a chiasm. That is, they will begin with a particular point, and then they will make a supporting point, and then they will make what is, in some cases, the main point, and then they will go back and support that by reiterating the previous two points. And that's actually what happens in this paragraph in Luke 22, beginning in verse 39. And I'll show you the components of it in just a moment, but I want you to just listen to this familiar scene, a scene that we generally read first from Matthew. But think about what Luke has to say. Beginning in verse 39, coming out, He went to the Mount of Olives as he was accustomed and his disciples also followed him. When he came to the place, he said to them, pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw and he knelt down and prayed, saying, my father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him, and being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. 
When he rose up from prayer and had come to the disciples, he found them sleeping from sorrow. Then he said to them, Why do you sleep? Rise and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The first component of this section is Jesus simply providing his followers instructions to pray. You see that very clearly. They have gone to the Mount of Olives. This was a customary place. His disciples followed him. As a matter of fact, they knew this place. This is why Judas was able to lead the Roman soldiers there to arrest Jesus. And when he came to the place, verse 40 says, he said to them, pray that you may not enter into temptation. And so the first component of this passage is Jesus urging his followers to pray. Pray that you may not enter into temptation. Pray that God will bless you, that God will help you. But after he has encouraged them to do this, we find Jesus' own personal prayers recorded. Verses 41 and 42. He was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw, and he knelt down and prayed. Father, if it is your will, Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. When we read the passage, we focus on Jesus' desire for the will of God to be accomplished. He is relying on God's will. You see the depth of his anguish as the passage continues to describe what takes place in verse 44 as he is in agony and praying more earnestly and his sweat becomes like great drops of blood falling to the ground. The intensity of Jesus' prayer is clear. His desire is clear. And yet, in this second component, although he is praying, asking for deliverance, he is relying upon the will of God. And so we've seen two components of the paragraph. Jesus encouraging his followers to pray. Pray that you enter not into temptation. Jesus praying, but relying upon the will of God. It reminds me of what is stated in Hebrews, the fifth chapter. I want you to look there for just a moment before we get back to the paragraph. Hebrews chapter 5 is drawing a comparison between Jesus and the Aaronic priesthood, showing that he is the great high priest. He is a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. But in describing the relationship of Jesus to God as His Son, it says in verse 7, who in the days of His flesh, when He had offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears to Him, who was able to save Him from death and was heard because of His godly fear, though He was a son, yet He learned obedience by the things which He suffered. Did God hear Jesus' prayer when He prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane? Hebrews chapter 5 tells us that he did. Did Jesus enjoy a very special relationship with the Father? Obviously he did. Though he was a son, 
Yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. And so our paragraph in Luke 22 tells us not only about the resolve of Jesus to obey, but it tells us something about prayer, which is actually the focus of the paragraph, that middle part of the chiasm that I'm talking about, the first component, Jesus telling his followers, pray that you may not enter into temptation. The second component, Jesus praying, but relying upon the will of God. What's the third component? God answered Jesus' prayer. Look at verse 43. The text said, Then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. That simple statement sets Luke's account of this event apart from the other instances in Scripture in which Jesus' time in Gethsemane is mentioned. The angel came and strengthened him. God answered Jesus' prayer, not by sparing his life, but by strengthening him for the task at hand. I know that there likely have been times in your life in which you have prayed and have been disappointed that what you asked for in prayer did not come as you requested it. But in so many instances, what God is doing for us is not merely granting our wish, but preparing us for what is best. Jesus' prayer was indeed answered, and after this prayer has been answered and he has been sufficiently strengthened for the task at hand, you find the chiasm being developed again as he continues to pray but relies on God's will. Verse 44, being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground, and then encouraging his followers pray that they might not enter into temptation. Verse 45, when he rose up from prayer and come to the disciples, he found them sleeping from sorrow. And he said to them, why do you sleep? Rise and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The structure of the passage points like an arrow to the conclusion. Yes, Jesus encouraged his followers to pray that they might not enter into temptation. Yes, Jesus prayed and relied upon the will of God. And how often when we study this passage, is that the focus of what we think about? But what Luke, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, was driving home, is that although the answer that Jesus received to his powerful prayer in the garden was perhaps not what he expected, it was what he needed. And if the Son of God can be heard in his prayers, praying vehemently with tears to the God of heaven and needs strength, don't you suppose the same is true for us as well? Learning to rely upon the God who hears our prayers 
and who gives us not what we ask or want because we ask or want it, but who gives us what we need. Jesus was resolved. He was determined to die on the cross for our sins, to serve humanity, to help even in the temptation of one individual to prepare His followers and to obey the will of God. Our task is to learn from the Lord about His resolve. What a blessing for us to know that Jesus was determined to die for our sins.